all of you guys. Well, we are in a series. We're in week number four of a six-week series here at Hope, kicking off our new year. We're looking at what we call our, our vision of the place that God has called hope to be. These are the things that are central to who we are as a church. They help us decide specific directions that we go and how we do the ministry that God calls us to do. And so I want to do what we've done the last few weeks and have us read together our, our slide here. Here we go together. Hope is a place where imperfect people belong. God moves, lives change, Love acts. In the last three weeks, we looked at that first imperfect people belong piece there. And this week, we're going to look at just a part of what we mean by that phrase, God moves. And for us to get there, I want us to look uh, back in Genesis, a story about a man named Abraham out of the book, uh, the first book of the Bible. So the, the timeline, you think about the, the, the history and through Genesis, uh, there's been, you know, different characters and stories, and it's not too far into the story before God decides that he is going to create and set aside a people for his name, for his sake. And the idea was, he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and your descendants, and all the world will be blessed through you. So it wasn't just filling Abraham up. God was going to move in his life and then call them to love and serve the rest of the world, to be blessing the rest of the world. So here's Abraham. He's going to be the father of a great nation. And God makes this promise to him. If you've read the story, if not, it's a great story. Read through it this week in Genesis. Uh, he made this promise to Abraham that he would have as many children as there were stars in the sky. He, he said, Abraham, I'm going to make you quite literally the father of a great nation. Now, God didn't tell Abraham when this would come to pass. He just let him know that it would. Now, from time to time in, in the course of life's journey, all of us come to places in our stories that I would call defining moments. There are times of critical decision, uh, directional choices that determine the outcomes of our life, uh, of our relationships, of our ministry. And these um, um, defining moments are, are, are marked by the need to decide, right? Do I turn left? Do I turn right? Do I go forward? Do I go back? Do I choose this or do I choose that? And many of you, you have some dreams or had some dreams about what you wanted to do with life. Many of you have visions or dreams about where you would want to see your life go. And maybe some of you even, like Abraham, um, have a sense that those dreams, those visions, those plans that you have are, are things that God has put on your heart. Maybe you have a sense of his promise to you and what he's going to do in your life. And so when that stuff happens, um, the question for us, like it was for Abraham, is, okay, now what next? Right? You have this promise, or maybe somebody has prayed over you and, and confirmed something or given you, wow, wow, God must really be in this kind of deal. Um, or maybe you just know, right? Whatever it is, okay, now what next? So for Abraham, he's given this promise by God. He's going to be the father of a great nation, and he has this defining moment. Now, there was a little problem, if you have heard this story. There's a little problem with the promise. <clears throat> the problem was this. Abraham was pretty old. He was actually like 75 when the promise was first made, and his wife, Sarah, had been unable to have children their whole married life. So on the one hand, God showing up and making this promise makes the whole deal seem like ludicrous. 
But on the other hand, this problem actually kind of creates some, some hope because if this thing that God promises were actually going to have to happen, right, if it was going to happen, God would have to move or it would never happen. So their child, who eventually would be born and named Isaac, that child would have to be born of a supernatural power. And because of Abraham's age and because of Sarah's womb, no one would doubt the source of the miracle. They'd see this baby and go, wow, everyone would know that God moved, right? God did this. This was God. Now, here's the deal. When we start talking things like, you know, God moves or God moved or God is moving or God's going to do stuff, things like that, sometimes we think, okay, we can't do it. God has to do it. And we can wander into some fuzzy thinking. Like we can, we could get drawn into an extreme that says, okay, well, if God is going to move, if he's going to do it, then it doesn't matter what I do, and there will be no consequences no matter what I do, because he's just going to do what he's going to do anyway, right? See, now, now, that's, that's fuzzy thinking, so I want to clarify something. When we say that God was going to do this miracle or fulfill, fulfill this promise, especially here in Abraham's story, um... You know, the promise was just theirs to receive, yes, but, but at the same time, it did not mean that Abraham and Sarah did nothing in their receiving of the promise, like they had to do their <clears throat> part, right, right? Are you with me so far? We don't have any kids in here today. Okay, okay so it's, like it, see, for Abraham and Sarah to receive this promise, they didn't just sit on their hands, okay? Like Abraham didn't go to his tent and... Sarah didn't just go to her tent and say, hey, how you doing over there? You pregnant yet? Right? Okay. Didn't work like that. Now, there was going to be a miracle in her womb, and the womb was going to come alive, but they were, delicately, they were responsible to do something in this deal, right? Like, by the time this actually happens, fast forward in the story, Abraham's 99, Sarah's not much younger, She's over there, you know, crocheting, and he's squinting at his large print crossword puzzle, right? Um, he has no hair, she has no teeth, right? They're not taking any, like, um, helpful supplements, so to speak, right? But, you know, maybe every once in a while, you know, they think of God's promise to them, and, you know, and he'd give her a little wink, and she'd giggle and blow him a kiss, and, you know, the lights would dim, and the Barry White CD would kick in. I mean, it's just, am I clear enough here? Is this... Okay, we'll stop it right there. <clears throat> now, good thing Isaac wasn't going to paint that, so that's, that's yeah. Um, now, as goofy as I just... <laughs> oh, I missed it. <laughs> now, as goofy as I just made all of that seem there, they, honestly, they really had to do what they were responsible to do. It's part of obedient faith in their story. So I just want us to make sure we're clear on this. It's very important for us to understand this. On our journey of faith, that obedient faith is exercised when we do what we are responsible to do, believing the whole time that regardless of what they physically did, I mean, they could try to make that baby all day, every day, but unless God came and did a miracle of life, Nothing of value was going to come from what they did. I mean, it sounds a little weird, maybe, but, but I think it's an incredibly important truth for us to understand when we talk about God moves. Now, in our vision statement here at Hope, we use that phrase. 
That's what we're focused on this week. God moves. See, that's how we do ministry here at Hope. God moves. We recognize and we wait on that. See, ministry here at Hope is a spirit-empowered thing. Listen, our, our pastors here at Hope, we preach sermons that way. Like, obedient faith for me, for Paul, is, is studying and preparing. Like, we don't just stand up here, Paul and, and Evan and Yvonne, they don't just stand up here, and I think when they speak, you can tell, right? They prepare. But, but here's the truth. I am aware that there is something more involved. We are all aware that it's more than just us communicating here. And we want to communicate well. We want to do it with excellence, Okay. But there's more going on than us just saying it well. See, because we've been called to, in this spirit-empowered life of a Christ follower, we've been called to see dead people come alive, right? Jesus called us to see blind people uh, to see, um, for for us to, to see people that are crippled able to walk, for hearts that are broken to get healed, and I promise you that there's nothing that I can say, no matter how good I say it or don't, there's nothing that I can say that has the power to make that happen unless, unless the Spirit of God moves. Have you ever been sitting in church? You know, whoever's preaching, and they say something, wow, it just, bang, it hits your heart, and you're sure, oh my goodness, somebody told the preacher what's happening in my life, because this message or this phrase just was, whoo, right straight at your situation, and you're sure it's just for you? Anybody besides me that that happens to? Yeah. Now, the people that speak here at Hope, they're really smart people um, and great speakers, but listen, when things like that happen, that's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit taking place. See, God is moving and showing up to minister to you. See, this is how we do it, right? Our our prayer team, our worship team, the whole Sunday morning crew, we don't just minister to the people of hope just because we've got all our stuff together and we know the right things to say. And we don't do it because we've all arrived and don't have any struggles anymore. When we say imperfect people belong, hello, that's, that's all of us. Right? That's especially this guy right here. So when we show up here, even when we're leading, uh, and, and honestly, often if we were to tell you what's going on in our lives, sometimes if we were to just you know, say it, we'd go, hey, listen, I've got some stuff going on in my life right now. This thing happened in my life, or maybe this person at church is mad at me, or somebody's leaving the church, or, or maybe somebody told a lie about me, or maybe this thing happened on my way to church, blah, 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 right? Whatever it is, we come in, and maybe I'm bummed. I feel totally inadequate to give anything of value away. But that doesn't stop us because we depend on God moving, not on having our stuff all together. So we show up, and we pray before we get rolling. And, and when we pray as a team out here or when I pray in my, my office, Sometimes, honestly, this is what I think when I'm praying or even looking at my sermon, I'm like, what power does this message have? (laughs) Like, what life could there even be in these simple words or in the songs that we sing unless, unless God moves and the supernatural power of Jesus would come by the Holy Spirit and, and minister through what we are doing? See, and even through our doubts as we stand and minister when we're having a bad day, we stay obedient to what God calls us to. Like in times of doubt, we enter in and we say, I'm going to get up, I'm going to stand in there. 
Like obedient faith in all of our lives, it stands in there. It it prays. Sometimes the words stumble out of our mouths, but we believe that the supernatural power of God can come and bring life, that God will move. See, again, God moves, and our ministry here at Hope flows from that conviction. We minister to our, our kids that way here, right? We invest in marriages that way. People serve on the setup team. We, we, we greet, we lead small groups, we teach classes, we run the tech stuff, we count the offerings, we do outreach and minister on the landscaping crew that same way. And sometimes it can be hard, especially when you've been doing it a while, to have a hard time connecting between my setting up a chair or providing food or, or trimming the bushes. It's hard to connect the dots between that and somebody getting touched by God on Sunday or sometime during the week. And it's hard to connect the dots between the stuff that we do, especially if we've done it a long time, and, and maybe even somebody coming to follow Jesus. But for all of our team of ministers, and by the way, you're not just volunteers. If you serve here at church, according to scripture, you are a minister, no matter what you are doing ministry-wise. But the truth is this. When we do it, we're like, I'm going you know, to set these chairs up by faith <laughs> that what I'm doing is going to matter to God and he's going to take it. And this physical thing I'm doing of trimming the bushes or working in the landscaping crew, that, that God's going to take this thing that I'm doing and use it in supernatural ways because we believe that God moves. And this is how we're moving our forward our church, this same way. We're not just sitting on our hands waiting for something to appear to us. We are going and doing what we have to do all the while knowing no matter what we do, God, if you don't move here, there can be no life. See, in some ways, there's some good news here um, in church and in your own life because when we realize that ultimately there's nothing we can do to really just make it happen, it kind of relieves the pressure. It enables us to take the posture of, okay, since I can't make this happen, I'm not going to force this thing. I don't have to manipulate. I don't have to maneuver. I can actually wait on God to move on the things he's promised and just walk in obedient faith. But here's the deal. When we're in a difficult situation on our life's journey, um, personally or, or as a church, we, there's a huge problem, right? We have to be willing to wait, don't we? And there is the rub. <laughs> because for Abraham and Sarah, like normal human beings, like you and me, they had a very difficult time waiting on the promise of God. So they came up with a plan. We'll go back to the story here. They came up a plan, a little plan to, you know, help God to speed things up to make it happen so they could have the promise right now. Back to their story, Abraham and God, they had had this discussion. They'd had the discussion a couple of times. The promise had been made, but no baby. It was very confusing. God promised, but still no baby. So Sarah comes up with a plan. And in her plan, if you know the story, it's uh, in Genesis 16, she offered Abraham her Egyptian servant, Sarai said to Abram, the Lord, she decided this was the Lord's fault, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant Hagar. Perhaps I can have children through her. And if you know the story, 
You know that, that Hagar did get pregnant by way of Abraham and gave birth to a son, and they named him Ishmael. And when this baby was born, they were so excited. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. What a wonderful gift that God has given to us. The promise of God is fulfilled. It's kind of like the actors on the award ceremonies, you know? They're like, I just want to give the glory to God right now. You know, it's that whole, right? Just slapping the God label on it. It's a problem with this. Um, God didn't do this. David Johnson says, what they had done is procured for themselves what they thought and believed was the promise and provision of God without the active presence and empowerment of God being involved at all. Like, God didn't do Ishmael. They did Ishmael. Ishmael wasn't born out of faith and trust. He was born out of flesh and making it happen. Ishmael wasn't born out of a dependence on God. He was born out of maneuvering and manipulating, but it looked. Didn't it look like the fulfillment of the promise? Like everybody could point to him, well, hey, check that out. How can you argue with this? You've got life. You've got a baby right there. It must be God. Here's the deal. Abraham and Sarah experienced something that you and I experience in our journey from time to time. What they experienced was this. They got the right thing the wrong way. And because they got the right thing the wrong way, do you know what they, they lost? They lost the sense of knowing that this really did come as a move of God. And as followers of Jesus, that's a huge thing to lose. Because, listen, we, we need to be absolutely dependent on, committed to, Seeing God move, especially as a church. We are a spirit-empowered people. Like, we can't get around that, whether we like it or not, whether we understand it or not. We are a spirit-empowered people. It's who we are. It's who God has made us to be. Really, honestly, guys, it's all we've got. <laughs> Without the active empowerment of God being in us and being the thing that produces life, what is there to, to, to distinguish us from any other person or group? I mean, Hollywood makes way better movies. And if you've seen Christian movies, you know what I'm saying, okay? But Hollywood makes better movies. Broadway does better plays. The movers and shakers raise more money, and corporate America builds bigger buildings that actually get used more than once a week. See, we, though, we have... The gift of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Spirit of God. And if we forget that or walk away from that, friends, we have nothing. Now, there's really good news in this Abraham story. Indeed, it's really an amazing grace gospel good news in this story. Because years later, God comes back to Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 18 just like he does to you and me when we create it ourselves and we make it happen ourselves, and we all do this. And God says to them, uh, essentially, I still have a promise for you, you idiots. Just kidding. Um, I still, I still have a promise for you, but here's the deal. This promise I have for you, you can't achieve it. You can only accept it. So will you believe by faith? Will you trust me to move and do this thing? And in their story, God sends three angels as visitors. Abraham, 
bows and, and then invites them to stay. And then he runs inside and asks Sarah to prepare a meal. And then he goes outside to eat with his guests. And they ask, where's your wife? And Abe answers, um, she's in the tent. And they tell him, soon she will bear you a son. Keep in mind, they already had Ishmael. And Sarah, who's listening through the tent, I mean, talk about thin walls, right? <laughs> she laughs. And she says, an old woman my age <laughs> bear a son, because now she's about 90. But God spoke up to remind Abraham that there was nothing too difficult for God. Right? At first, you know, they laughed at their visitor messengers, and maybe they were mocking, like, what have you been smoking? Like, it's what it sounds like, the way the story goes. But think about it a little more. Maybe when this message from God came back this second time, maybe this time the laughter wasn't so much in scorn. Maybe it was despair. Like they were thinking, it's already too late for us. We've already blown it. We've created an Ishmael. We've, we've messed everything up beyond the possibility of redemption. But there's such good news Back in Genesis 17, God had said to Abraham and Sarah, essentially this, I'm not through with you. It's not too late. And there are people here this morning who feel like they have blown it, gone too far, created an Ishmael of some sort. What a mess we have made, some of us would say, of the situations in our lives. And you need to hear the heart of God towards you. I believe that he's saying to a number of us this morning. Um, I'm not done with you. It's not too late. I will put in you and bring from you life. Those promises that you heard from me that I spoke, I'll bring it to pass. But please understand what maybe you haven't understood before. You can't achieve it and work for it. You, you can't maneuver and manipulate what it is that I want to give you. And what I want to do in you and call from you, you can only believe and accept it. Like you have to wait on me to move, is what I believe God is reminding of us of. And it's encouragement and a promise. And the waiting part for me is a little frustrating. <laughs> um, see, people of Hope Covenant, are, are we willing to wait? I mean, I do think that that's the question that God's asking some of us right now. Are you willing to wait? Are you willing to wait and let the good thing that you long for come from him, from God moving, not just us accomplishing it? And even when I talk about that waiting, I think of the scripture in Isaiah 40 where it says, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will run and not faint. Romans 4 says that on getting this second chance, Abraham contemplated his own body, right? He didn't ignore reality. He looked at it. Verse 18, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on the basis of what God said he would do. Verse 19, Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, it's hopeless. This hundred-year-old body could never have a child nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe, I love this, he didn't tiptoe around God's promise, cautiously asking skeptical, skeptical questions. 
he plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he said. And God did make good on what he said. And, and when that happened this time, his glory to God was not this empty, you know, cliche-ridden praise, a fake hallelujah, bless God. And the reason that it wasn't fake this time was because this time he pursued by faith the empowerment of the Spirit of God. First, he waited for God to move. And guess what God gave him? Yeah, a baby. He gave him Isaac. And Isaac was a son that wasn't born out of the flesh, out of striving and wheeling and dealing, not because Abraham and Sarah figured out a really creative way to make the promise come true. No, no, no. Isaac was born out of faith. He was born out of the power of God. And now they had real cause to celebrate because they knew in their heart of hearts that God did this. Like God gave us this. God actually moved. We weren't just slapping a God label on something that we manipulated. We know God did this. God moves. But they had to wait. Now, I know our vision talk and stuff is at the annual meeting tonight, but I want to spend a few minutes here talking about us here at Hope. I mean, I know you'll all be here tonight, right? <clears throat> yeah, go ahead, Dalton's here. Okay, good. But, but, but let, me, let me say it this way. Um, I believe that God cares more about how we go about moving into our next season here at Hope than that we figure out ways to make stuff happen. See, there's more than one way to procure what we think is the promise and provision of God. There's one more, more than one way that, to move into the vision that God did give us as a church. I mean, even in the building of community, uh, the kind of community where imperfect people belong, where God moves and lives change and love acts, and building that here at Hope, we could do this vision and develop the ministries around it by either one, with two roads here, we got one, we can manipulate and strive and grab it for ourselves and make it happen, or two, we can wait and pray and watch and believe and then do what God calls us to do. We, we can watch, pray, listen for what God's saying, discern his movements, believe him, move into it, which does not mean sitting on our hands doing nothing. Okay? Now, some of us who are action-oriented, like me, we get nervous when we hear things like, wait, listen, pray, discern. Like, oh, you know, I'm like, oh, great, you know. Now we're just going to sit on our hands and never do anything. But this is not the case at all for what I'm calling us to here as a people at Hope, okay? Abraham and Sarah, again, um, they didn't just sit on their hands looking at Sarah, wondering, you know, when she's going to get pregnant. They did what they were responsible to do. But as they did what they were responsible to do, they did it the whole time knowing that the only way that supernatural life can be born is if God moves for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to show up. And so my question, friends, is what will happen in our lives and in our church when we begin to believe that we are utterly dependent on God moving? When we trust God enough to say, to say it's truly, it really is all we've got. It's who we are. And without the active empowerment of God at work among us, what is there to distinguish us from any other people? 
See, Abraham and Sarah, they forgot it the first time. They didn't forget it the second time. And by their faith that was willing to wait, God showed up, moved in a tangible way they could see and touch this baby, Isaac, the child of promise that they received, not by manipulation, not by striving and maneuvering, but received by faith and trust, partnering with God and doing what he called them to do. And I have a strong sense that God is clearly calling us to and teaching us about grace in authentic community. That's where the imperfect people belong piece happens. I also sense that he's calling us um, to learn how to become a people of prayer who discern what he's up to, and that plays into how we recognize where God moves. It's, it's my vision, it's uh, my passion to see this happen here and for us to move forward that way. Now, Paul and uh, Ryan and I just got back from a pastor's conference uh, in Chicago all week. It was a great conference, um, but I've been to some conferences that weren't that great. I've been to so many conferences and seminars in the past where the whole point is to sell a, a system of tips and tricks, you know, how to market your church to be the hottest thing in town and how to compete with other churches. I tell you, <clears throat> from experience, that's exhausting, Okay. I remember sitting with a group of older, wiser pastors um, <clears throat> not long ago, and some of them were just given observations on, on what's kind of the new normal at many of the churches in our culture, and, and here were their two observations, that times of authentic worship, rather than that, they seem to have been replaced by concerts with light shows, fog machines, and lots of guitar solos. By the way, I like an occasional guitar solo, okay? Fog machines and light shows, not so much, but <clears throat> anyway. Um, but the, the, the times of authentic worship had kind of gotten swapped out. I'm really thankful for Ryan and his heart to lead us not in that way. <laughs> um, the second thing they talked about, yeah. Oh, Ryan. The second thing that they observed, and again, I'm just like a dumb kid going, um, was that biblical preaching in-depth teaching has been replaced by short TED Talks, motivational speeches that were just dispensing advice. Maybe a few scripture verses were sprinkled in. Um, <laughs> and, and I just sat back and went, wow. And, and the truth is, again, um, I don't want to criticize what other churches are doing. I'm just saying, that's why we're not doing it that way. Because what happens is it gets real tempting when you see numerical growth at other churches, and, and it's tempting, especially in our culture, and especially when you get a bunch of pastors together, they decide, oh, that's what success is defined by in our culture today. So then we scramble to copy the latest trends in marketing to consumers, and by the way, if we are creating consumers, that's the opposite of making disciples. <clears throat> um, but, but the programs say, hey, just do these steps, and you too will have a growing church. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with having a growing church. Um, we want hope to grow deeper uh, and larger, um, but Paul and I talk about this frequently, and we say, hey, let's not rush into copying some formula or program that looks to be working somewhere else. Amen. Instead, we are committed to, to um, listen for what it is that God is saying where he is moving through us. We want to start there. We will watch and wait and pray and partner with God's motion in the moment and what he's doing here at Hope because we really truly do believe 
that God moves. I mean, wouldn't it be something if these things that we put on our statement here, that, that lives change and love acts and God moves, and uh, what if that authentically came to happen? Not because we figured out the right program or the three steps required or, or the best, you know, formula to import. What if, what if they came to be true of us because the wind of the Holy Spirit began to blow, that God moved and people's hearts opened to each other and community started to happen that way. And if it happened because God moves and the Holy Spirit's presence began to uh, show us about lives changing and, and prompt us to acting in love, and what if it happened because of that? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? See, when I think about the whole other way of doing it with just market the church deal, I, I think about 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And in that, Paul reveals his um, dependence on God moving. He says, when I first came to you, this is the Apostle Paul, friends, okay? He probably knows a little something about how the church could be run. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. He's saying, I wasn't the hottest speaker in town, and I wasn't trying to be, okay? Verse 2, I decided while I was with you, I'd forget everything except for Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. He's saying, I just wanted to keep it simple. He says, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and we're like, come on, Paul, where's the flash and swagger? You need that today. Verse 4, my message, my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul, as brilliant as he was, says he relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit for God to move. Now listen, friends, I don't like waiting. Waiting is hard. Waiting is embarrassing, especially if you're supposed to be a leader, like leaders are supposed to know. We're supposed to know where we're going and what we're doing, and if we aren't sure, then we just get moving, right? We can, but if we do that, then we risk missing God and creating an Ishmael-sized mess. Friends, um, we're not here to make Hope Covenant Church about our pastors, uh, not about our leaders, not about our denomination, our church. This is about Jesus. <clears throat> and like the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, we're trusting in God to move us, lead us, direct us, so that our church would be grounded in not a system of marketing, not in the wisdom of men or women, but that God would be what we have our confidence in as a people. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> Wouldn't it be something if the reason people believed in Jesus was because God moved? If, if lost people were drawn here to Hope Covenant because the wind of the Spirit began to blow, the power of God began to manifest, we began to see God move, we followed where he was going, not just because the pastor gave a good speech, because, but because God actually was moving. Wouldn't it be something? And in our desire to know God, I believe that he will show up. So let me close with this question. What do you want? Do you want, you know, in our, in our own personal lives, do we just want, you know, um, wealth? Do we just want a better house and nicer stuff? Is that what we want? Uh, or here at church, do we just want numbers and, and growth and programs? 
nothing's wrong with any of that stuff, but, 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 but do we actually instead really, as our first priority, to want God and his empowerment, do we want God to move? In our lives, in our churches, worship team, will you come? So, <clears throat> listen, if, if what you want, by the way, is the manifested presence of God, if you want God to move in your life, if we want God to move in our church and continue to move in our church because he is moving, um, by the way, here's the good news, you'll get that. <laughs> you may have to wait a long time, but you will get it. And Second Chronicles 16 tells us why. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth, that he may strongly support those who heart, whose hearts are completely his. Those who just plain want him. I really think it's that simple. Like, what do you want? And for some of us, this is a defining moment, and it's time to decide, so what do you want? Will you pray with me? God, as we move into worship, we open our hearts to you. We ask you to move in our church, in our families, in our homes. And every single one of us have, from time to time, maneuvered or manipulated. We've tried to make stuff happen. We so easily lose our focus on pursuing um, you. Instead, we pursue the gifts or numbers. Or <laughs> We depend on you moving God. And God, without your presence, we, <laughs> we just look pathetic. <laughs> So we invite you to move, God. God, will you move in every arena of our life as we stumble along in our journey. We invite your presence. We declare our desperate dependence on your voice, your direction, your power to provide what we cannot provide, life that is needed for, for dead to come to life, for the broken to be healed. And so we pray for your spirit to move. And God, will you move? And give us patience as we wait. <laughs>